getting good night's sleep can be much easier said than done. But don't worry, because our good friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to get the sleep you deserve. CBD PM blends melatonin and other sleep-promoting ingredients with 500 milligrams of high-quality CBD to create a powerful and effective sleep aid. And to make it even easier to get a good night's sleep, they're offering all my listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA, for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. We got a fun show for you today. I want to talk about the Blazers' win in Oklahoma City and Damian Lillard doing what he does. I want to give an update on CJ McCollum's injury. He was reevaluated today by the team. And I'll close the show talking a little bit about Blake Griffin. His name has been linked to the Trailblazers. And is that cool? Is that a good idea? That's what we'll do in the third segment. But first, let's just let's just start in OKC. Blazers win their fifth straight game, 115-104 against the Thunder. This one took on so many different uh sort of Blazers tropes. They're up 24 in the first half, blowing out a team, and, and they had kind of handled some bad teams recently. OKC's not a bad team, but they were without uh Shea Gilles Alexander, so they're a, a significantly worse team. And the Blazers were handling them. Up 24, cruising, uh Young guys playing well. We'll talk about them in just a second. But, of course, they gave it all away. Uh, I, I think I may have jinxed it by tweeting out, like, man, the Blazers are beating the snot out of a bad team, and it feels totally sustainable. Who would have thought it? Or something to that effect. But, of course, they ended up giving it all away. A really, really bad start to the fourth quarter. Uh, they had to bring Dame back a little bit earlier than they typically do. They brought him back at a nine-minute mark. Usually, they, they try to buy five full minutes in the fourth quarter, if not a little bit longer. But... Blazers not only let the lead evaporate, but end up down five with five minutes left. And of course, of course, Damian Lord delivers like no one else in the world can do. The just the most clutch scorer in the league. It's it's almost goofy at this point. And by goofy, I just I, it's just it's comical. You know, the Blazers are down five, just under five minutes to go, and Dame hit four three-pointers and assisted two others as they closed the game on an 18-2 run to win the game. I mean, that's just bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. And it didn't even, it, it felt normal. You know, him sizing up Lou Dort felt normal. I spent the opening segment of, of the last episode in this very feed talking about Dame's clutch numbers and, and clutch excellence and how he's just... If you get him to the point where he can win, he will do it. And he did it again tonight. And it felt believable. I mean, it felt believable that they blew a big lead. It felt believable that um, he had to pull them back. But, it, but you know, he just he just delivers in a way that is so predictable and familiar and comfortable that um, it's just he's just a joy. He's an absolute joy to watch. But because I spent some time doing that in the last uh, show, I don't want to I don't want to beat you over the number with beat you over the head with Dame's clutch numbers. You know. He's as good as they come in 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 clutch situations. Blazers are now eleven and three in games that are just within five points in the final five minutes, and they turn this one into a route from a from a really bad loss to a route in a blink of an eye. What I want to talk about is 
what I thought this game was really going to be about. And it was the young, the young ones showing promise. Anthony Simons, five threes in the first half, but then he fouled out and didn't score in the second half. He had four fouls in the first half. He, he got a couple of calls where he was just getting physically overmatched. Uh, and it happens, but he was really good in the first half and struggled a little bit, but he's hitting, he's, you know, five threes. He, he's hit him off the bounce, hitting him uh, as spot, hit him off the dribble, hitting him as spot up shots. Like he's, he's doing it in every way. He doesn't have a lot of variety to his game, but boy, howdy, can he shoot? If he ever links that athleticism up with an aggressive drive, he's going to be a problem. And then Nazir Little steps in, made all five of his shots, three threes and two dunks, 13 points. Dude was awesome and looked like a, a real, a real contributor. The, his three point shot just looks pretty. And Gary Trent Jr., like he always does, was just really stinking good and quietly has 19. And you're like, yeah, Gary's pretty good. He's he's just he's just become so dependable that he doesn't even make the notes. But why I wanted to talk about the young guys is because the Blazers have had this theory for a long time that uh, young players develop best off the floor, that NBA minutes aren't exactly the sort of way to the best way to to get better at at NBA basketball. And I I would tend to agree with their reasoning. They've been pretty good at developing guys. So I asked Terry Stotts after the game, like, has that changed for you? Because not only um, are, is it pretty clear that guys are getting better with developmental minutes to wit before January 24th, Anthony Simons had played 11 games. He was 12 of 37 from three and had one game where he had played just 20 minutes a night. Since then, it's been a necessity and he's played more and he's played 13 games, including this evening. It's 42 of 88 from three. It's 48% from deep. And he's had nine games where he's played at least 20 minutes. He played 18 tonight, would have topped 20, but he fouled out. Those stats courtesy of Joe Fish from 1080 The Fan. So to me, that seemed to suggest Anthony Simons plays more, develops confidence, gets better, is a better NBA player, right? Real NBA minutes lead to his production. But you could say he played a whole boatload of minutes last year and didn't get a lot better. And that's kind of what Terry Stotts told me when I asked him. He said he still totally believes that the way you get better, even with limited practice time due to COVID, even with the situation is that these dudes are are doing it behind the scenes. To wit, Nazir Little comes out of nowhere, had, had played pretty sparingly a couple sort of spot games where he played actual minutes where he got a second shift two games where he got a second shift prior to that one 30 points 11 of 18 from the floor hit five threes gets hurt comes back 10 days later has a couple sort of quiet games against cleveland and dallas and then against okc he looks like a baller again so while more minutes seems to be benefiting anthony simons and, and getting him to play better it seems like the 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 progress these guys make happens behind the scenes. And Terry Stott said after the game that no one gets up more shots in the gym than Nazir Little. Nobody nobody on the team is at the practice facility working on a shot more than Nazir. Makes sense. He's a young dude, wants to break in, hasn't had an opportunity, hasn't ever had a stretch where he's had consistent minutes in the league. There's an opportunity for him to do that now. This is, you know, you you got to get good to get minutes. But I kind of thought that this was going to be the year that this sort of developmental minutes were turned on their head, right? Where it was just like, Guys got to play and guys got to get better on the court. And and Terry agreed with me to that extent is that is that you have to do it in the game and that minutes help and eventually you just have to play. But he maintains, and I guess I reluctantly agree with him, is that the even this year with limited practice time and limited and 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 throwing guys into bigger roles out of necessity on the court is that the NBA minutes are valuable. 
But these dudes are, the dudes who are contributing and playing well are doing it behind the scenes. I thought I was going to be able to flip this sort of Blazers narrative on its head. But the logic is they're staring me in the face even after these young guys played really well. It's just, it is nice to know that the work that goes in behind the scenes with a lot of these guys pays off. That the Blazers sort of system of saying, you know, sharpen the sword by yourself and and we'll call you when we need you. These guys have been able to be ready and play well. It's, uh... This this whole stretch has been about getting all of the role players to sort of not reach their peaks and sustain it, but touch the top of their abilities for brief moments to keep the Blazers around and then have Dame deliver. And I think this was, OKC was a perfect example of that. Ant, five threes in the first half was fantastic. Nas was just uh, a really, really good as, as a really impressive stretch for him. And then as that group sort of breaks down at the end of the game and doesn't have a good second shift because they're young and they're still developing and um, maybe NBA minutes don't make you magically better. You got to do it on your own. Damian Lillard, a dude who was good from day one, just says, I'll take it from here. And I think this OKC game was sort of, it's not the, like, this is not the Blazers formula. A lot of times I call these games the blueprint. Hell no, this is not the blueprint. Blow a 24-point lead and then hope that you make six straight threes to close the game. Absolutely not. But it is, it is in some ways indicative of the run they've been on. Have the young guys sort of reach close to what their absolute max as players are in their current form and then have Damian Lillard deliver when you need it and and quietly have Ennis Cantor grab every single available rebound for life. All right, let's come back in the second segment and talk about CJ McCollum. We've got an update courtesy of the Trailblazers and our friend Jason Quick of The Athletic on what's the deal with CJ's foot. We've got a new, a new timeline. So we'll talk about that in the second segment. Before I get there, let's talk about Bet Online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Simple as that. There's NBA games every night, college basketball's rolling into March, and NHL's in full swing. Don't want to bet on sports? Well, Bet Online's got you covered with award shows, TV shows, reality TV. If you want to bet on The Bachelor? You can do that at betonline.ag. They got real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline also has you covered with news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head over to the website, betonline.ag. You can go there on your computer or your mobile device. Make sure you sign up today using the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. The promo code is LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Here at Lockdown Blazers, we got you covered for all things Portland basketball. You know that. But you might be asking, Mike, what about the rest of the sports? And I'll tell you, good news. The Lockdown Podcast Network has you covered there too with Lockdown Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski. It's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. So make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Today wherever you already get podcasts. All right, today was was a big day in Blazerland because it was the day that CJ McCollum was officially going to get his left his sprained left foot reevaluated, a word that means nothing but means a lot at the same time. Uh, it was reported earlier this week by Jason Quick of the Athletic that this was not going to be a get cleared to play type of situation. The Blazers are weird with injuries. Um, they could just they could be more upfront about it, but they choose to do it formally. But today he was reevaluated and the team uh, released an official announcement 
I will read it for you here. It's a handful of paragraphs. It's actually two. I'm going to skip the third one. Portland guard CJ McCollum, who suffered a left midfoot fracture on January 16th against the Atlanta Hawks, continues to progress in his return to action. It was announced today by Trailblazers president of basketball operations, Neil Olshay. McCollum, who was examined today by team medical personnel, will no longer be required to wear a walking boot and will advance to the next stage of his rehabilitation. He will be reevaluated again in two weeks. Further updates will be provided as appropriate. Updates are always appropriate, y'all. It's a it's a hundred million dollar basketball player. At any point, it would be appropriate to tell fans what the deal is. Also, quick apologies. I called this a sprained left foot at the beginning of this segment. That was what the team initially called it, but it was it was a, it was a fractured bone in his left foot. So uh, I I apologize for misspeaking at the beginning of it. Yeah, but he's he's still two weeks away. And he told Jason Quick of The Athletic that he's heading in the right direction. The team didn't do any MRIs today. It was just the team doctor wanted to see the foot, you know, take a look at it in person and say, looks good to me. You can go to step two or step eight. We don't know how many steps there are. There's publicly step two, but I imagine it's a little further along. One of the reasons I don't like reevaluation is it suggests that the team isn't paying attention to him every day. Again, $100 million man. <laughs> they are... They're keeping track of what his his deal is physically. No, make no mistake about it. But um, CJ gets to sort of pr- do some on-court work. According to Jason Quick of The Athletic, he'll begin ball handling, free throw shooting, uh, a little bit more weight training and walking. He's not running. He's not putting a ton of, he's not jumping. He's not putting weight on his foot. He's not doing basketball stuff. He's... He's two weeks away from being a little bit further away. Uh, he told uh, Jason Quick when asked if he'll, he expects to play after this next two-week period, quoting here, I'm in no rush. I guess we'll see how I feel and what they say in two weeks. So this is kind of a non-update update. Like this is, it's important to know that um, if if you thought that the, it was going to, he was going to come back like after this road trip, uh, that seems a little bit much. But uh it's at least two more weeks, so we're, we're, we're talking March. Uh, I know there was some speculation that he could be back at the end of February when he first got hurt, but we're looking at March. Uh, you know, if, if you want to go, like, really literal with this, the, the first game after the valuation period would be at home Wednesday, March 3rd against the Warriors. Uh, it's hard to say how that's exactly going to shake out. I don't think he plays at all because there's only two more games left in the first half of the season and then they'll go into the all-star break and then they'll come back after that. So um, I, I just don't, I think CJ's done until until after the all-star break. I think certainly not set in stone, but that seems to be the direction it's heading. Uh, if he's in no rush and the team isn't desperate for him right now, they'd be better with him. Don't get it twisted. Like more talent is better. But if he's in no rush and you just look at the basic timeline, I think the news here is that CJ McCollum is out until after the All-Star break. Nurk is also going to be on a very similar timeline. Uh, The Blazers have what they have. They've been pretty darn good without those two guys, surprisingly so. Uh, There's no doubt about it. Having more and better players is more valuable. But uh, if there are questions, and I'm sure there are, this is the new timeline with CJ. At least two weeks. And just if you're just doing the math and logicking it out, we're talking after the All-Star break. So Gary Trent Jr., keep playing like an NBA starter. Anthony Simons, keep knocking down threes. Either Nazir Little or Carmelo Anthony have a good game. Just pick which one and they'll figure it out from there. One day, both of them will play well and will give Terry a, a real conundrum. I mean, 
we we know we know how the Blazers are going to win these games. They're going to they're going to survive the Dameless minutes and rely on his heroics. And boy, howdy, has he been a hero? Has he been able to don the cape when it's mattered? But they're getting production from other spots around the lineup. I think all of that is going to be valuable. I think these on-court minutes, which is why I want to talk about it and ask Terry about it in that first segment, I think these on-court developmental minutes are going to prove to be valuable, even if the Blazers see that sort of behind-the-scenes development remains the, the real value. But I think the confidence of playing in important games, playing in high-leverage moments can only only can only help I mean I just I don't think they can hurt at this point so to me this CJ news is not like a big bummer this is kind of the timeline I I had expected I maybe thought like that first week of March and now I'm thinking the second week or the third by the time they get back from the all-star break so uh maybe it's five days behind what I sort of had um had guessed and and speculated very very loosely on this podcast would be early March so I don't think this is a big deal. I don't. I think this is an, it's a nice update just for sort of peace of mind for fans out there. But this is the Blazers group they have going forward. They've been okay with it. No reason to panic just yet. Speaking of the group the Blazers have, what if they added someone with a connection to Neil's past to the roster? Does that, does that sound like something this franchise might do? Yeah, I'm talking about Blake Griffin. That's what we'll talk about in the third segment. Is adding old Blake... To this group, is it something that could happen and is it a good idea? But before we do that, I want to tell y'all about Bill Bar. You know Bill Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you don't know Bill Bar, listen up. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. That's the deal. That's how it works. Look, I've been telling y'all about Bill Bars for a long time. I really like them. And look, I would still give you the high energy, super positive ad, ad read no matter what. It's the kind of guy I am, kind of podcaster I am, but I'm not faking the funk here. Bill Bars are good. Caramel brownie is good. Coconut almond is good. German chocolate is good. The peanut butter one's good. Banana bread is fantastic. High, strong recommend for banana bread. That's just a handful of their 18 amazing flavors, all of which are covered in 100% chocolate. They got that candy bar-like texture, soft and easy to chew. They're not dry and chalky like other protein bars. They're, they're delicious and they pack a punch. Take, for instance, the peanut butter flavor I just mentioned. That's 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and just 5 grams of net carbs. That's because every bar is low-calorie, low-sugar, high-in-protein, high-in-fiber. That's how you get those low-net carbs, y'all. These taste great. They're good for you. You're not going to find a better protein bar out there. You're just not going to. So don't look for one. Instead, just go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Lasers. If you like this show, then check out Rejecting the Screen. It's a great podcast that's on the network. It takes you behind the scenes and you'll get all sides of the story with Rejecting the Screen. Each week, Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko get personal while interviewing players, coaches, media members, all the people who make the NBA happen. Check it out. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you already get podcasts. Okay, we talked CJ McCollum's foot. We talked little Blazers magic in OKC, the development of their young guys and the magic of their leader. Now let's let's talk about a potential upgrade to the roster. This name is in the zeitgeist. It's out there in the world. Blake Griffin. He of the Detroit Pistons. 
a six-time All-Star, just two years removed, and also two years removed from a fantastic campaign in 2018-19 with the Detroit Pistons, is now both out of the rotation in Detroit and out of their plans. The new front office in Detroit has made it clear they are ready to move on from Blake Griffin. He is going to be benched, taken out of the rotation. I don't know what the what the sort of n- nice term is here, but taken out of the rotation until they find a way to move him. Simple enough, right? Blake Griffin used to be good. Some team can sign for his services, well, or find a find a need for his services for a man who has not dunked a basketball in 432 days. My my goodness, that's that's a good one from uh, from Mark Stein's newsletter, a New York Times that I was that was in my inbox today. Four hundred and thirty two days since the last time Blake Griffin dunked. That's December twelfth, twenty nineteen. But it's not just the lack of dunking; his his overall production is down, and the and and quite frankly, the the Pistons just have better younger players that they want to play. They want to play Jeremy Grant, who they signed to a big big money contract. They want to play Sekou Dumboya. They want to play uh, Isaiah Stewart. They I guess they want to play Mason Plumley a whole bunch of minutes. They want to find minutes at, for Sadiq Bay at the four. And now, um, ent- entering this stage in his career, Blake Griffin is expendable, but he's not very easily tradable. He signed a five-year, $173 million deal back in 2017 and then was swiftly traded to the Pistons. Cool move. Cool move, Clippers. I mean, cool move because you're not paying him anymore, but... Maybe not the friendliest way to treat a guy like that. So here's where Blake Griffin finds himself. He is owed $36.5 million this season and has a player option for $38.95 million next season. $39 million. So if Blake Griffin were to join another team, he is not going to do it by trade because boy howdy. Is it going to be hard to make the money work? He is going to exit the Pistons via buyout. I don't know when they're going to figure this out. I mean, there's an outside chance that, that that a trade materializes, but Andre Drummond finds himself in the same boat in Cleveland. Andre Drummond is younger and better and cheaper than Blake Griffin. If you're going to pony up big money for a guy who's on the outs with his team, who's um, maybe like production and link to wins is a little bit questionable, then you're going to go Andre Drummond. Griffin isn't that. Griffin is a guy who's been a part of winning in the past. He's just, he's maybe just physically not what he was anymore. And why I'm not bringing up Drummond is because I don't think the Blazers would go after a a true five. Like, I don't think they're trying to sign. I think they want Nurk to come back and play. Like, they don't want to, and and, and, and his Cantor has been so good. So I'm just, while I understand that Drummond is in the same place, and I'm mentioning him here, uh, Blake Griffin is a much more reasonable target. But Blake Griffin, there's no trade coming from Blake Griffin. Uh, But... If he were to leave, he's going to get bought out. So the 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 Pistons will pay, will buy out a portion of, will buy out this year's contract and a portion of his player option. Like he's not going to give back all, he's not going to get all of his $39 million, but he's not going to give back like 30 million bucks. <laughs> you know, like he's, his agent isn't going to let him do that. And he's not going to let him do that. It's $30 million. So he's going to get something, you know, 60, 70, 80% of that cash and keep him moving. And then he'll be a free agent, free to sign a minimum contract. And that's where the Blazers come in. Because a couple things. One, a couple years ago, the Blazers were interested in trying to acquire Blake Griffin. 
uh, back when they had all those big money deals with Evan Turner and Myers Leonard and Mo Harkless, and they had like a real way to go get him. It just didn't it it didn't come to fruition then. It just the it didn't align. The Pistons wanted to be a playoff team. They didn't want um, the the parts that the Blazers had to offer. I don't even think the the conversations got serious, but the Blazers made a. The Blazers were interested, no doubt about it, interested in Blake Griffin. Uh, I'm not even sure that a, a phone call materialized, much less the Blazers said, hey, what about, mm, okay, cool, see ya. So there's that connection. Also, Neil Olshay was a part of the uh, Clippers front office when Blake Griffin was the number one overall pick in 2009. Neil loves his dudes. He loves his guys. He always has. And those two connections alone make it at least a reasonable thing to consider. And the other thing to consider is that if Blake Griffin on a minimum deal is willing to be the Blazers uh fifth big in a rotation, like right now I guess he 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 would be their backup center. He's more of a 5 than a 4 these days, but if he's willing to be sort of a break the glass center type option on this team, then I guess there's a quote unquote role for him. I what you're really asking here is is Blake Griffin better than Harry Giles? And, and frankly, I don't know. Like my my gut says yes. He's certainly been a lot better and he can do more stuff because he can handle and and he has not shot well this year. He's at 31% from three, but has been a good shooter, turned into a really good shooter at, at late in his career as a really good passer. Um, is still just like a big body, but he's slow. And like I said, he hasn't dunked in over 400 days. So he's, he's lost a lot of his athleticism that made him special. So what you're asking is, is he better than, than Harry Giles? And my answer is like, maybe, I don't know. I, like if you're asking me right now, and I'm certain you are, and I'm, I'm sort of preempting the mailbag questions with this is I'm not in favor of it, but the logic seems to line up. Um, I think the Blazers could use a little help on the front line. Not If nothing else, just depth. You know, uh, Harry Giles didn't, didn't dress against OKC. He's dealing with a calf injury. The Blazers had to play small a whole bunch. Would it be better to have no one or the opportunity to play Blake Griffin? Absolutely the opportunity to play Blake Griffin. Uh, I think Blake is going to be comfortable taking a smaller role. He obviously has comfort with the front office, or at least a history with the front office who knows about comfort uh so like i think there's some logic for it but for me i i wouldn't do it just because i think if you really need help along the front line getting someone who's um who kind of has a a, a more known floor than griffin makes more sense um Griffin's ceiling probably higher than many others you could get off the street. And maybe you think that Blazers medical staff could sort of get more out of him or, or their, you know, strength and conditioning team could sort of get him into the shape he, he needs to be in to be a contributor. But they've already got a veteran reclamation project on the end of the bench who plays along the front line, who's a defensive liability and, and Carmelo Anthony and Melo's better than Blake right now. So for me, I'm not, it, it's not my it's not my choice. I wouldn't do it. I'm saying no, but all the logic is there that if you think strongly that it's a good move, I'm not, I'm not against it. If it's on a minimum deal on the buyout, it's, it fits all of their needs. I think they need help up front, the connection, the skill set, all those things. He could, he could help conceivably. Um, just for me, it's, it's not my choice. But it's out there. It's an option. It's a real thing. And the good folks at Bet Online have the Blazers as his most likely destination should he be bought out. The Blazers, you can bet on that right now at BetOnline.ag. So it's like it's in the zeitgeist. People are people are connecting the dots. Um, we'll we'll see where it goes. I won't 
I won't um, say it's a terrible move if they end up doing it, but like I said, not not my choice necessarily. All right, we got some really, really fun shows the rest of the week. Uh, a mailbag show I'm going to record on Wednesday evening after the Blazers play against the New Orleans Pelicans. That will post on Thursday morning. And then on Thursday, I'm going to be joined by Ian Carmel, Blazer fan and Portland native writer for the CBS's The Late Late Show and host of the podcast All Fantasy Everything and just a hilarious dude. Ian Carmel is going to join the show, so make sure you don't miss those. That's a, that's a special delivery mailbag posting in your feed on Thursday and then an interview with Ian Carmel posting in your feed on Friday. It's going to be a ton of fun, so don't miss it. Check your feed and then tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. will be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.